Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. On Thursday, this past Thursday, the University of Calgary School of Public Policy held a, um, an event on the economy. And the headline was, U.S. tax reform is leaving Canadian competitiveness in the dust. Now, U.S. tax reform has become a game-changer for Canada. And uh, we're going to be speaking with Jack Mintz, President's Fellow at the School of Public Policy. He will be joining us tomorrow at the beginning of the show. Just want you to know that. So now let's uh, say hello to our friend Scott Newark. Just, just uh, hold on to Sherry for a second. I want to talk to Scott for a moment, and then we'll t- we'll ask Sherry to join us. Um, this week we found out that the Parole Board of Canada must put the privacy rights of a convicted double murderer ahead of the uh, victim's family and public's right to know what's contained in a written decision by the Parole Board. Scott Newark, former Alberta prosecutor was a senior policy analyst advisor for the federal minister for a federal minister of public safety and executive director of the Canadian Police Association now professor at Simon Fraser University so 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 here we go again yeah here we go again well uh, actually what we found out was not in my opinion that um, correctional service of canada or the parole board could not release the information that was requested What we found out was that that's what they told the victim, uh, the mother of uh, one of the victims, uh, after the offender had been uh, denied parole, but as you say, had been given a a temporary absence. Um, They literally said that the information that relates to a temporary absence, which is not parole, it's just you're allowed to, it's either escorted or unescorted. I believe this one is uh, an escorted absence, Uh, but that their uh, assessment is that they're they're not allowed to put that information up on their the uh, uh, the website the database that registered victims can access because it's different than parole. Um, I don't believe that's accurate. I took a look at the legislation specifically, and I can tell you that the uh, provisions of the corrections and conditional release has is section 26. There's two different kinds of um, uh, situations for release of information. One is mandatory, that they must release it to a registered victim, and the other is discretionary, which means they can, if they choose to, if they think that the, uh, the privacy interest is not outweighed, uh, or that the, uh, the public interest in releasing it outweighs the privacy interest in concealing it. And so not, if, if that is the section they're relying on, then once again, this is Correctional Service of Canada, or the Parole Board of Canada in this case, stretching the truth to say that they can't do something rather than they've decided not to do something. Also, the Privacy Act has a similar provision, Section 8, Subsection 2, Subsection M, just in case you're listening, Parole Board, that says that the holder of what is personal information can release it if the person concludes that the benefit to the individual request, the public interest benefit, outweighs the privacy benefit, in other words, in revealing the truth. So I think this is yet again an example of the um, less than open and transparent uh, correctional aspects, parole uh, uh, branches of our uh, criminal justice system, uh, not being open and accountable with uh, uh, victims of crime. 
So tell us about the individual uh, who was at the center of this exchange. Yeah, he's a, uh, a person convicted uh, back in um, 1983. Um, uh, his name is James Peters. He was convicted of two first-degree murder charges. Uh, back in those days, uh, the uh, it was only uh, uh, life no parole 25. We did not allow for consecutive parole ineligibility uh, periods. And this guy has been in custody since that time. Um, so he is, he is well past the date that he otherwise would have been eligible, which means that there are obviously some concerns about um, security. And um, the mother of the, uh, uh, one of the, uh, the victims has been you know, keeping a close eye on this and attending, has obviously registered. She's been working with an old friend of mine, a former MP Art Hanger, uh, who actually went to the, uh, the hearing with her, and Art took some notes about things including about some of the failure of this guy in relation to his performance while he's in uh, jail on a bunch of different uh, instances. And, uh, you know, he was able to keep a track of that information. But this is obviously a very, very high-risk, dangerous offender uh, that is going to be given some kind of escorted temporary absence and they're withholding the basic details of it from the uh, the victim, which means, just as it was in the... Uh, a Tory Stafford case, they end up becoming the public accountability model because when the victim's family finds out something, that means the public knows about it as well, too. Scott, so just, I think there are some serious questions raised here in terms of the uh, accountability of the uh, parole board and being less than candid about how it's making its decisions and what it's revealing to victims. Just reading from the Calgary Sun, November 22, 2018, so a couple of days ago. Yeah. Peters, this is the guy you were talking about, um, Peters, along with his partner in crime, the now deceased Robert Brown, was convicted on January 18th, 1983 of two counts of first-degree murder for the abduction, rape, and murders of Debbie Stevens of High River, December 12, 1981, and 16-year-old Laurie Boyd of High River on January 30, 1982. After both men took turns raping the victims, they bludgeoned and stabbed them and then set their bodies on fire. The crime spread fear across Alberta. While it's good news that Peters was denied parole, the bad news is the Parole Board of Canada can't share the written decision with the victims' families and the media, putting a double murderer's privacy rights, as you said, ahead of the public's safety and right to know. How does how does how does common sense and sanity allow decisions like these to prevail? You're asking or is there an absence question. of both? Because we're dealing with Correctional Service of, of Canada and the are. Parole Board of Canada. Of course we are. Okay, and our, your and my both uh, career experience in dealing with them is that they, are, they tend to be um, less than candid about what they're actually doing. I think that was revealed as well, as I say, in the uh, Terry Lynn McClintock case that we've been talking about. Yes. Uh, other cases as well, too. And that's why this whole notion of getting the truth about what is going on is so important. Because, you know, they're not, uh, they're not dealing in manufactured marshmallows. They're dealing with the most violent and dangerous offenders in our society. And people should have a right to know. And if that means that we need to clarify the legislation and take discre- turn discretion into mandatory actions, then so be it. Let's, let's do that. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. 
Have a great weekend.